the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, it is the Nick T Podcast. I'm your host, Nick DiGilio. We are on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network in the world. Episode number 193 coming at you on a Friday. And uh, every other Friday means it's time to review movies. The brand new movies. We'll talk about the update of movies and box office and all kinds of cool stuff. The big movie releases get reviewed and thoroughly talked about by Eric Childress, and Steve Procopi, my two compadres from the Chicago Film Critics Association. We've been reviewing movies together for a long time. I've been reviewing movies since, I don't know, 1985. So, yeah, since before some of you were born. Anyway, we talk about movies every other Friday on the podcast. And today is the day. Brand new movies to talk about. So Eric and Steve will be here to talk movies. Esmeralda Leon, who is my partner in crime, who joins me on every episode, will be here to hang out. We're going to talk about, um, man, she just got back from New Orleans. So we're going to hear about her trip to NOLA. And uh, it was her first time going to New Orleans, so I'm sure there's going to be some stories there. So we'll hear about her trip to New Orleans. She is freshly back. And we are going to talk about how people are dumb. Not a shocking thing, really. We are not breaking any news here. This isn't a bulletin. This isn't something that you're not going to be aware of because most people on the planet are morons. And we will discuss just how stupid some people are and just how stupid some of the warnings uh, to people are. Anyway, people are dumb. Esmeralda and I will discuss that. We discuss that a lot, actually, because, you know, most of the people that you encounter on a daily basis are idiots. So uh, we'll discuss that and have some fun talking about uh, New Orleans with Esmeralda Leon, movie reviews with Eric and Steve. That is what's coming up on this episode of the Nick D Podcast. As I said, part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, part of the Radio Misfits um, 24-hour streaming service, which is like radio, only a lot cooler. You got to check out Rose, uh, radiomisfits.live radiomisfits.live it's a 24-hour streaming service that consists of unheard music there's this great podcast at radio misfits called uh unheard music which uh, consists of unsigned bands and really cool new music that you're not going to hear anywhere else and uh you know radio misfits gives it a great showcase for fantastic music if you're an unsigned band and you want to get involved uh, you know, contact us here at RadioMisfits.com. But check out RadioMisfits.live. You'll hear all that really cool music and episodes of the best podcasts available here at Radio Misfits, including this podcast. You can hear this podcast daily at 3 p.m. And you can hear my other podcast about Saturday Night Live. That show hasn't been funny in years, which is a great podcast. If you're an SNL fan, uh, you need to check it out. You need to subscribe right now because it's the best SNL podcast in the world. And that is uh, broadcast daily at 9 a.m. So great music, great podcasts, all part of the live streaming service that you need to check out right now. It's free. It's awesome. Radiomisfits.live. Hey, you want to be a part of um, this podcast on a sponsor level? 
a lot of people listen to this podcast. I'm just telling you, it'll be uh, it'll be a good idea for you to be a sponsor or to advertise your product on this podcast because lots of people listen. You want to be a sponsor? You want to advertise on the Nick D podcast? Write us a note. Say I want to be an advertiser. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Be a part of this podcast on a regular basis. Leave your comments. Leave your questions. Leave your contributions. Anything you want to say at any time of the day or night. Twenty four seven. We've got. Uh, 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 a hotline open for your voicemail. Leave your voicemail anytime you want. 773-417-6948. Leave an email anytime you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you via email or voicemail anytime you want. We hear. We want to hear from you. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds and the themes and the weirdness. And also Ed and everybody at RadioMisfits.com make it all possible. Please take the time to share and rate and review us on every platform and discuss us on the Radio Misfits podcast uh, network as well. Um, been, uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to talk about uh, all the stuff we're going to be talking about on this podcast. We thank you for listening, and we thank this woman for existing. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right, so... Eric and Steve talking about movies, Esmeralda talking about other stuff. That's all what's happening right here on uh, the Nick D podcast. And here's something you need to check out, an amazing book, which I've been talking about now for a while. And if you haven't purchased it and if you haven't downloaded it, you need to get on it. And here's why. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspas Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. That theme means it's time to talk about movies, which we do uh, every other Friday here on the Nick D Podcast. Eric Children, Steve Procopi, uh, join me to review the new movies. We've got some a couple of big ones uh, to talk about 
for this segment. So let's say hello first to uh, Eric Childress. Hello, Eric. Hello. Hello. And uh, Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello there. All right. I uh, got some movies to uh, talk about as we get closer to the uh, to the holidays and closer to the end of the year. Uh, are we? I mean, how many more big ones do we have left to see here before we start gathering up our year end uh, possibilities here? What do we got left? Well, I mean, Warner Brothers got Color Purple and Wonka, uh, right. which they're both they're putting both of those out there. Um, so I'm looking at the list, and I assume we'll see Ferrari at some point fairly Ferrari soon. Ferrari is neon. a big one, mm-hmm. yeah. But like they've screened um, American Fiction already. They screened Poor Things. There's a one uh, called Zone of Interest. Zone of Interest that I think, yeah, um, needs to be screened. That's I think that's a twenty four. Is that right? It is. They did not screen yeah. that for people yet. Yeah, they they let people come to the SIF screening, I think, but I don't know if they did a, I don't know if they did a press screening. Yeah. There's a few neon titles and, um, I mean, a John Woo movie. I don't know if that's going to make a difference, but we got that to look forward to. (laughs) It's a Godzilla movie. Uh, Godzilla movie. That's right. Which is That will qualify. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It will Mm -hmm. qualify for all things. (laughs) Uh, so, all right. Um, yeah. And I, I guess and actually, seen... I'm excited for Chicken Run 2 coming to Netflix. So I am too. <laughs> yeah. Same guys? Is it the same? Is it the Wallace and Gromit? Yeah, guys? Oh, yeah. Argument, oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is racist director, but... is, ra- is racist ass Melly Gibson's? Uh... No, he no. is. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no. Okay. I forget. Right. I forget who's taken over that role. Somebody else has, but. I don't okay. remember who it is. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that then, because I did like that, even though racist ass Melly Gibson's was in it. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's from P- Key and Peele, who might not uh, remember that. Key and Peele. Okay. Uh, well, we got some uh, other movies to talk about. Before we do, let's say uh, let's get some uh, ideas on where you can see and read and hear all about uh, Eric Childress. Go ahead, Eric. Yes, at the Now Playing Network, I have two podcasts. One, the Movie Madness podcast. Steve and I talk about movies every week, and Peter Zabzinski and I talk about Blu-rays every week. Uh, and also the Friendship Dilemma, the one that I co-host with Morgan Geyer, where we talk about male and female friendships in the movies. Uh, and we'll have some, a couple new episodes coming shortly. Uh, the last couple we did were on uh, Spike Jones's Her, and uh, He's Just Not That Into You. All right. Okay, cool. So there's uh, there's uh, stuff that you can uh, check out with Eric. Steve, tell everybody about uh, your stuff. Yeah, in addition to the Movie Madness podcast with Eric, uh, you can read my reviews and interviews at thirdcoastreview.com, and you can find me chilling out many nights, uh, many days at the Music Box Theater where I'm the PR manager. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, uh, let's get into some of the stuff uh, to uh, to talk about now. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about, I don't understand. So, so uh, this is the David Fincher's new movie is uh, uh, the killer, and mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I I I didn't understand the 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 release of this movie. What 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 the hell is going on? So it, it's in theaters now, or it just came mm-hmm. out, or now it's on Netflix. Now What's, it's on Netflix. All right, it's now it's on, on Netflix. It's been, in theaters, it's been in theaters for a couple weeks. That's pretty much the Netflix model for anything that goes into the theaters. They give it a week or two in yeah. the theaters, and then then it drops on Netflix. But more so now, it's even more so they're doing it because they need to to qualify yeah. it for any awards. So right. they put it in a few theaters. It's not, it's not why. They're all limited releases, and they don't even report box office numbers on them. So, okay. so there's that. Yeah. 
Uh, and then uh, then it shows up on Netflix where 99.9% of the people are going to see it. Okay, so it's on net. So it's available on Netflix now. Yes. Yeah. All right. And this is David Fincher's new movie, and it's based. And now, is it is it based on the? I think it's a graphic, graphic novel? novel. Yeah. All right. It's based on a graphic novel. The screenplay was written by Andrew Kevin Walker. Is this the first time these guys have worked together since Seven? No. The, he wrote the game, right? Did he write the game? I think Andrew he wrote Kevin the Walker? game, right? All right. So it's the first time these guys have worked together since at least the game. So the nineties. It's yeah. been since the nineties that they've worked together. Uh, and this is uh, uh, the new now. Now, with, now, okay. So has this been made into a movie? Because I saw a film from um, China last year called The Killer, um, which was about. Uh, but no, it's not the same thing. But I didn't know if it was based on a series or what. And but he not played the John a, Woo movie. No, not the <laughs> no. John Woo movie. No, 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 no. Of course not. But the they're John remaking Woo movie. that too. Um, yeah. but there's like, so, so I don't know what this is, but I but don't this think is, it's been made into anything before. I don't think this version. All right, no. So this version based on a, uh, a, a, a graphic novel is now been brought to the screen. The screenwriter is Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote seven, uh, and some other movies. And it's directed yeah. by, it's the latest from David Fincher. Uh, Eric, you have not seen this. Nope. Uh, but, uh, Steve Thanks, and I have, course. so Steve, go ahead and tell us, uh, about, uh, the killer. Okay, uh, the professional assassin that stands at the center of uh, David Fincher's latest, The Killer, is never given a name, and I'm guessing that's exactly how the character wants it. Uh, he's played by Michael Fassbender in a really sort of icy perfection, uh, marking his first on-screen appearance in about four years. Um, uh, rather than tell the story of an assassin who is defined by his jobs, uh, Fincher and Andrew Kevin Walker, the screenwriter, construct a profile of a man by showing us his methodical approach to his work. He's a killer who prides himself on never having made a mistake on the job. His targets are all dead. Um, and as we open the film by watching him from his perch, sort of patiently waiting for his target to show himself uh, at the apartment building across the street, I think it's, I think the beginning's in Paris, right? I'm not, yep. I, I'm not yep. quite, yeah. Uh, we have every reason to believe that this next one will be dead shortly as well. Um, though frequently relent, like through fr frequently relentless narration and careful observation, we learn every aspect of this killer's process from the clothes he wears when he's walking around in public so as not to stand out, uh, which he calls the German tourist look, uh, to the way he keeps his heart rate down just as he's pulling the trigger, uh, and apparently listening to a lot of music by the Smiths gets that job done. Um, Fassbender's narration, like most of the film, is fairly direct, informative, and with very little fat. But it's also weirdly warm and as if he's trying to sort of throw us off the scent of just how sort of twisted and cold-blooded this guy is. The reason we're dropped into his life at this particular moment is that we're about to witness his first on-the-job mistake. He actually misses his elusive target with no chance probably ever for a second shot. Uh, the killer pa packs up his gears, wipes down his hideout, and gets the hell out of Dodge. As he's as he contacts his employer, is a lawyer named Hodges, played by Chris Parnell, or sorry, Charles Parnell, um, who who makes it clear that restitution must be made. And our anti-hero knows exactly what that means. He heads for his home somewhere in South America, only to find out that his girlfriend, played by uh, Sophie Charlotte, 
has been brutalized and is in the hospital, barely able to speak. But she does manage to get out a rough description of her to attackers who basically just beat her up because they were trying to find him. And that's all Fassbender needs uh, in order to sort of slip back into assignment mode and track down his next victims. Um, these will be the only targets he kills out of emotion rather than for money. Um, like we mentioned, based on a graphic novel series, um, the killer is based basically a profile of a guy who is exceptional at his job uh, because he has an exacting set of standards and rules that he keeps to without fail. And it's always fascinating to watch people like this because of their dedication and expertise, even if, you know, even if he's out for just revenge. Fassbender's character really rare, very rarely strays from his patterns. He seeks out his boss. Uh, he engages the services of his boss's knowledgeable secretary, who's a great character, played by uh, Carrie O'Malley. Um, he finds the two people who were in his home, uh, one who's just called the brute in the credits played by Sala Baker and another called the expert played by Tilda Swinton. Um, the scene in which Fassbender and Swinton finally come face to face should have been just like its own short film. Cause it's the best part of this movie without a doubt. Um, the way she rambles on across, like basically sitting across from him at a fancy dinner table, knowing her death is coming soon is really something to behold. Uh, finally, he seeks out the original client, who's played by Arliss Howard, um, who might be the least guilty in what happened to the girlfriend, but does that matter in the end? Uh, I guess I won't ruin that. But at this point in Fincher's career, he's sort of collected co-workers who just know how to deliver a David Fincher movie. The cinematographer here, the editor, certainly the composers, Trent Reznor and Atticus Rust, who wrote the score to The Killer, are all people the filmmaker, and we mentioned the screenwriter, all people the filmmaker has worked with before this movie. So if some parts of it feel familiar, it's because Fincher is sort of pulling these very capable tools from his impressive toolbox. And that doesn't mean he stopped being inventive. There's a fight sequence between Fassbender and Baker in the Brute's house uh, that is unlike anything I've seen in a Fincher movie. Um, and, and outside of, you know, most of John Wick Chapter 4, it's maybe the best fight scene I've seen all year. Um, he's not reinventing himself with each new movie, but not, nor is he completely copying himself from film to film. He's just building upon his repertoire, and that's what makes him interesting. Um, from the lightning-fast opening credits to the abrupt ending, the killer isn't interested in lingering in a particular moment, even if its main character is an expert at lingering in a particular place. Um, it, I think it moves and it weaves through its story and the mind of this assassin in a way that doesn't give the viewer a chance to realize they're rooting for a murderer. Uh, and that's kind of exhilarating. So, uh, yes, as we said, it is now, I, it might still be in theaters, I don't know, but it's definitely on Netflix. Okay. Uh, yeah, this I think is the worst movie he's ever made. Uh, I think without, <laughs> without question, without question, uh, it's the worst movie he's ever made. And, and, and I'm including Alien 3. Um, this is a guy who's, you, you, you were saying that, uh, that he was, you know, he's, he's not repeating himself. This is a, this is him repeating himself in every fucking frame of the movie. Um, uh, I'm not, I guess I've just not been crazy about this whole partnership that ever since he's joined up with uh, Netflix, I've been uninterested in his stuff. I wasn't crazy about Manhunter, wasn't crazy about Mank, and this I think is an actively bad film. Um, uh, especially disappointing, this all this stuff that he's doing on Netflix, following what a fucking great movie Gone Girl is. Like a great movie. 
Um, and you know, he be- he became much more interesting uh, with each movie um, that he made. And this is like a gigantic jump backwards. I mean, it is. It is. Uh, I mean, it may as well be. You know, Fight Club. I mean, the 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 narration. Uh, he may as well just keep. You know, you know. He may as well just repeat the stuff that uh, that Edward Norton uh, says in Fight Club. It's the delivery is exactly the same. The the way it's written is exactly the same. The themes are similar to Seven. Um, and I don't know if this is his first fuck up because he might be lying. Like you never know if this guy is just an idiot. Like I like at like at the at the beginning of the movie when he goes through all this stuff, I think it's bullshit, and I think that he is in fact an incompetent idiot, and uh, um, you know through uh, and, you know through through whatever you know kind of evidence that I've seen uh, in it, but it goes through motions that Fincher has done in his sleep, and it feels like he's in his sleep. Uh, this is I just think this is really bad. The only thing in it that stands out, as you mentioned, in my opinion, is that fight scene. There's a there's a and it goes on for a long time. It's like a brutal yeah. fight scene. It goes on for a very long time. It's the only time in the movie where I wasn't yawning or going, please. Everybody else who's in this movie is completely wasted, especially Tilda Swinton. And when you have Tilda Swinton and you waste her in one scene in a movie like this, it's ridiculous. Fastbender, I don't, you know. Listen, I, you know, like it, it just seemed to me like he was going through the motions. I don't think he had much to work with because the script is derivative and boring in one note. Um, and uh, it doesn't help that I can't stand the fucking Smiths. That doesn't help because in every, <laughs> every goddamn scene, there's a Smith song in it. And I get it. I got it. I, you know, I understand why it's there. I understand the irony of it. I get it. But I, and again, like most of this movie, it's slammed into your brain. You know, like it's brilliant and it's not brilliant. It's very simplistic. Um, no, I just think this is an actively bad film. Uh, and I was, I mean, it is as simplistic as it can possibly get. Within 10 minutes, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long haul. And it's not a long movie. It's it's under two hours. It, it To me, it felt like it was 10 hours long. Um, and I just, I haven't liked, I haven't really, really liked anything he's done since Gone Girl. Um, and I loved Gone Girl, um, but man, this to me is a, is a gigantic leap in the wrong direction. So I did not, I didn't, and I know I'm in the minority on this because I think everybody in the screening room I saw it with uh, seemed to seemed to love it. Um, uh, but man, this was just it was a complete misfire for me. Uh, so I did not like the killer at all. Um, but it's uh, it's on Netflix now if you want to check it out. So there you go. All right. Um, and that seems to be the, I mean, Steve, you're, you're, you're in the majority mm. on this one. Everybody seems to like this one. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I don't, I, was... I don't even know if that's true, but I just know, I mean, I, I, it didn't, I mean, there were certainly, this is the first time I've watched one of his movies and go, oh yeah, I can see where he's pulling from there. I can see, but I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true that it's every frame. I don't think that at all. I think it's like half of it feels very familiar yeah so. and i'm not and i'm not saying it's wrong and I'm, I'm not saying i'm the last person in the world who should say it's wrong for for to filmmakers to to pull from what they do most because you uh. know i you know i happen to be like I, i'm you know i'm the biggest brian de palma fan in the world but that guy does the same goddamn movie every time <laughs> but i like them i think they're great the difference is here he does nothing at all uh new and in fact i mean like literally from from the opening scene with the narration i'm like what is he so hi, I'm Jack's boring assassin. That's what is happening here. I mean, I, I seriously. So yeah, no, it did nothing for me. Um, so um, Andrew Kevin Walker, by the way, did not write the game. Oh, he didn't. Uh, no, he wrote Eight Millimeter. 
He ah, there you go. Yeah. It was I knew it was yeah. one of those goddamn things. It was something like mm-hmm. that. Who wrote? The, didn't somebody write the game? Who's like a, somebody? Or am somebody I not? Somebody wrote it. No, I know, but I mean like a name, somebody <laughs> that we really, would recognize. Did they know? Somebody, I think we somebody um, we recognize wrote that. I think somebody who has written other John stuff. John Brancato and Michael Ferris. Okay, no, I guess not. <laughs> okay, I don't maybe know why. Not. I maybe maybe I have no idea. I don't know. All right, all right. Well, there you go. So that's the killer. Uh, it's still, I think, in a couple of theaters, but you can check it out on Netflix if you choose mm-hmm. to do so. All right, now the big one that opened uh, in theaters, exclusively in theaters, as they say. That's right. Uh, is the latest from the Marvel Village, uh, whatever the fuck it is, uh, and it's called The Marvels. And I don't, uh, you, you guys are going to have to explain this. Uh, I don't know what the hell it is. Is it a sequel? Is it an offshoot? Is it a spin I don't know what the fuck it is. So you guys can handle that nonsense. Many things. Yeah, all right. Sure. Well, it's The Marvels, and it's got Brie Larson in it. She was in Captain Marvel, but then there's all kinds of other... Go ahead, explain it. Uh, Eric, go ahead. This is The Marvels. It's... All right. Explain to the people what this is. Well, to, to, to put it in simplest terms, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on the plot here because there really isn't much of one. But... This is basically Captain Marvel 2. That's how the, the, the impetus okay. of this project. Okay. So it was always Captain Marvel 2, and then it, you know, just be, they changed the name basically to the Marvels. Uh, right. Because uh, in this film, uh, Carol Danvers, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, um, is out there in space because she flies through space and she can manipulate light and energy and stuff like that. Right. Uh, she's. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and she's investigating uh, some sort of time rift for Nick Fury. And in the course of this, uh, due to some cosmical thing that happens, uh, she begins to, uh, her and two other characters begin, whenever they use their powers, basically begin swapping places. No matter if they're in the middle of space, on Earth, flying through the air, whatever it might be, uh, right. whenever they utilize their powers, they switch. Uh, so this is what happens at the setup of the movie, and the two other people involved are Monica Rambo, also known as Captain Rambo, played by Taylor Paris, who was introduced as a child in Captain Marvel, and then we saw her in her adult form in the WandaVision television show. So where All right. this so she's in, she's in comes from. She's in WandaVision, then. She's right. in WandaVision. Okay. And All then right. we also have the young teenager, Kamala Khan, also known as Ms. Marvel, who was introduced in her own Disney Plus television show. She's played by Iman Vellani. So these three characters, uh, because uh, Ms. Marvel has a bracelet that gives her her powers and whatnot, and they end up swapping places all over the place and reluctantly begin to form this friendship and partnership to take down this character named Darben, played by Zawe Ashton, who is actually Tom Hiddleston's fiance, And she, she is upset with Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel tried to save her planet and then inadvertently destroyed her planet and her civilization. So she's got a beef with Captain Marvel. She's looking for the other bracelet, uh, she finds one bracelet, Ms. Marvel has the other bracelet, and then, you know, all hell breaks loose. Uh, that's basically all there is to the story. Now, uh, there. this is a film that, I was not a fan of the first Captain Marvel film. That felt like something that they kind of shoved into the middle of it because they had to introduce Captain Marvel to get her into the final Avengers movies where they needed her to be an, an integral part of it. Uh, but in this one, 
feels more like a spin-off of the television show more than a sequel to the actual movie. Uh, and yet, it has a few ideas while I was watching it that I was fond of. I kind of liked the body sw switching thing that was happening. I thought that that brought some kind of fun, goofy energy to a, uh, a plot that didn't have much going for it. There's a section of the movie where they have to figure out how to transport or save people from a ship and get them transported off before the ship is destroyed. And the solution <laughs> to that, I thought, was kind of fun. Uh, and then there's another kind of side trip that the characters take, take to this planet that is where all of the inhabitants communicate through song. I thought that that was a fun idea. That best ultimately... part of the movie. Best part right? of the movie. Yeah, I think that that scene is, and it has the best joke in the movie, and yeah. it has, uh, it, it's fun. And I was, I at that point, I wanted the film to actually just become a musical. Exactly. At that point. You exactly. Know? That's the movie I'm right. waiting for. That's the Marvel movie I'm waiting for. Is the exactly fucking, is the is the musical, and I want all the battles to be musical numbers. That's yeah. what I want. And as I've, on 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 my podcast, my friend Eric Laws is a comic book expert. Has always talked about the Marvel movies having so many. Of the better ones have been like their own genre. Like you know, there's been a spy movie, and there's been a, a horror movie, and a suspense movie. You know, all that kind of thing. We should have a musical one. Anyway, yep. we're getting off track here because right, right, I just mentioned right. the best parts of this movie, <laughs> yeah. and the rest of it just feels like filler. Like it feels like it's just trying to get to. The end credit sequence, which is setting up this, hey, look what we got the rights to now, basically, and and and, and like Brie Larson, I with this, like I like Brie Larson, I think she's a fine actress. I don't think that she has figured out the identity of this character. I don't think the writers have given Captain Marvel the identity she needs to sort of stand out in the pact. Uh, she has a great suit. She has some fun powers. She's sort of like the Superman character of, of this group. But as far as the characterization is concerned, I don't think that she's figured that out. Tayona Paris, who I thought was really good uh, in WandaVision, I think suffers here too because most of the energy is given to Amon Vellani's Ms. Marvel. And I think that she is a ray of sunshine in an otherwise kind of drab film everything that she does in the film i thought was fun and interesting and i wanted to follow her so much so that now i actually want to go and watch the ms marvel show that i missed uh through the course of the disney plus oh, you definitely you know, should eric you definitely i did I, I did when fun. i when it came out oh, you did? Okay. I, it, no i didn't i didn't see it but when it came out oh, okay. there was like so many television shows that were watching at the time that i yeah, just yeah. kept putting it off and by the time i got to the movie i'm like well i shouldn't have to watch this show to understand what's going on in the movie. And they give you a little uh, mm -hmm. filler at the beginning to sort of let you know who this character is. Uh, but that's not that shouldn't be our responsibility to have to watch all of the Disney Plus shows to know what's going on in the movies. They should be separate. Uh, and this one, it's because of these things that I mentioned, I think it's slightly better than some of the recent ones we've had, like the Doctor Strange and Quantumania and even the last Guardians movie. Uh, but ultimately, it's just another kind of blah marvel film and they're kind of on the ropes at this point okay all right steve what'd you think this this was a frustrating uh film for me uh because yeah I, it just I, normally i am perfectly a defender of films that switch tones like midstream but this one does it violently <laughs> it, and it was like okay come on make up your mind is this like a body switch comedy is this a 
like and then yeah we get into the musical and then but we get this i mean i was i was kind of propelled through it by this this friendship between these three women and we should mention that like although this doesn't have any bearing on whether the movie's any good or not most of the people in front of and behind the camera are women of color like and it's and it's 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 like and you can like there is an energy to this and you can tell there's something different about this and in many many of the things that eric and i and probably nick too liked about this movie are are partly because of that and i dug that part i yeah iman Vellani is is like a find and um and I can't, and it, clearly they, there's indication they're going to carry that character forward. I think Nia DaCosta's a, a great filmmaker. I think her film Little Woods is a, is a terrific movie. Um, and her Candyman, whatever you want to call it, sequel, revival, has some things in it that I really like too. Um, but I feel like she's just, I mean, I feel like she's sort of being held back from sort of doing what she does best by this Marvel construct. And um and i i mean i wasn't as big a fan of the musical part of it but only because i was just kind of tired of them like every 15 minutes switching up what this movie was um and by the time we got there i like the idea that we find out that that captain marvel has some history on this planet and what that history is 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 kind of funny i wish they'd even i mean the movie is is the shortest marvel movie ever it's 105 minutes with credits and I almost wish they had spent a little more time on that planet just to give us that that backstory we kind of desperately need about Carol Danvers. Um, so like, yeah, I, I was, I was, and then there's this whole, and by the way, this is, I mean, way down on the call sheet is Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. He's in this too. And he's basically like a glorified IT guy. Like he's just sitting in this outer space, like space station uh, that's meant to sort of set up to protect the earth from extraterrestrial issues and everything's just shutting down there and they're trying to like figure out how to stop it from shutting down and eventually they're trying to figure out how to evacuate it and that was the thing that eric alluded to earlier but like i've never seen nick fury be less cool than he is in this movie he's just kind of relegated to the background and relegated to like letting other people know what's going on in the rest of the world so Okay, congratulations on that, I guess. Um, and I will say, like, this movie... I know people, like, kind of knock on Marvel movies for sometimes feeling like all they're doing is setting up the next thing, um, whether it's a TV thing or another movie. And this one feels like it's a bridge between, like, three different... One movie, three different TV shows, and then a couple things that were, are going to come after it involving... Miss Marvel involving what Eric said about recently purchased Disney properties. Um, so I, I, and I don't, I don't mind that as much as some people, but this was like crazy because for, I think people that are actually invested in this whole MCU thing, there's two scenes before and during the credits um, that set up big things that are to me way more interesting than this movie. So um Anyway, I don't know. It kind of, it, it just, it, I just felt like I was being thrown all over the place with this thing. And there's like, Eric said, there's no story here, really. It's very basic. It's a lame villain. Um, it's the chemistry between or among the three leads is like the only thing I really 
held on to with this thing and 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 the film even finds ways of sabotaging itself in like key moments like those so they kind of ruin whatever fun i might have been having along the way so i don't think it's a disaster but it's certainly one of the weakest marvel films yeah all right. Well, I mean, you guys all know how I feel about these goddamn movies. Uh, it, it took it, it literally took 10 minutes for me to go. I don't know what the fuck is going on and I don't care. <laughs> literally, I sat there and went, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. And I just don't care. And that's how I feel about 80 percent of these goddamn movies. But this one, I just was like there was I knew it was like, oh, OK, she's this Miss Marvel. That's a TV show I don't watch. Uh, I don't remember anything about Captain Marvel. I remember liking it. I remember actually liking the movie. When did that come out? Like 2016, 17? 2018? 18? Okay. Yeah. So it came out like six years ago. In between the ago, two like... Avengers, the last two Avengers movies. All right. So five right. years ago I, or whatever. And I remember, I actually remember not hating it because I like Brie Larson. And I like Brie Larson a lot. And I like her, you know, I like her in this. She's fine. If, you know, they give her something to do other than like look confused and, you know, and whatever. Um, uh, you know, the director of this movie, I did not like her Candyman uh, at all, in fact. And I think she uh, really mishandles a ton of stuff. Uh, the one element of the movie that I mentioned that I liked that I thought was a great idea was this scene on this planet where everybody sings. And I thought, oh, boy, that's a great idea. One of the only ideas in the movie that, to me, doesn't fall like a goddamn lead balloon uh, and sink. Uh, and it's completely... Completely mishandled. There's a there's a kind of a musical number in the movie that is so poorly staged and badly directed that it was like, well, look, I would love someone to make a Marvel movie or a superhero movie that's a musical with the battles and everything being done with music. That would be great. But anybody but this goddamn director who completely screws up any rhythm or framing or editing or staging of a musical number you can possibly imagine. Uh, so no, and you know, and and yes, there is something that should be said about uh, 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 ladies behind the camera and women of color working on it. But listen, if you want to support something like that, watch The Woman King, which is eighty billion times better mm. than this movie and is a spectacularly well made film. This is not. Um, I didn't care about any. You guys liked uh, the girl from Miss Marvel. I found her annoying. I didn't like what was written. Uh, I don't remember uh, Tayana Parrish from the other movie. I didn't care what was happening. Uh, you know, I just none of this like, and they throw you right in the middle of it. And like you said, uh, Steve, that they're they're you know, like prior knowledge of like, and, and Eric, you said this too. Prior knowledge of this other stuff is kind of necessary. Uh, I mean, they kind of throw you in, they throw you a bone, like you, like, but 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 uh, like, I'm assuming that in Miss Marvel, her wacky ass family is a big part of the show. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, well, we get like, I don't know that shit because I don't watch Mish Marvel. And then I, what I got was stereotypical, wacky brother, goofy parents that are one-dimensional and were just get like, had I known those characters from watching Miss Marvel, maybe I would have found them amusing, but I found them underwritten and completely, you know, like ridiculous, um, which is how I felt about the whole thing. And, and, and listen, I don't know what Nick Fury does and I don't care. Like every time I see him in the movie, I'm like, he's got an eye patch. Congratulations. I don't give a fuck what this guy does. And in this movie, it, I didn't find anything different about what Nick Fury does in this movie <laughs> that I remember him doing in every other goddamn Marvel movie. So the best thing about this movie is that it's shorter than every other Marvel movie. That's the only good thing I can say about this movie. There's a, there is a, a kernel of a great idea planted in the world that maybe someone capable will make a really awesome, beautifully staged musical comic book movie, which I would think would be great because the idea is fabulous. Uh, it 
But everything else about this movie has been done a million times. Uh, it requires you to know this Marvel Universe, and I could not give two shits about the Marvel Universe. And I don't care about the shit that happened at the end that they said. I was sitting next to you, Steve. I'm like, I have no idea. After the last <laughs> scene happened, I went, I don't know what that is, and I don't care. And then you explained to me what it was, and I went, oh, cool, I guess for you guys. But I don't care. <laughs> so, I again, you know, let me preface this. Uh, you know, people who listen to me regularly, people who know this, I don't give a shit about any of these comic book movies at all. Um, and this is just another, yet another of the many, many, many multiverse movies and comic book movies that I don't give a shit about. And the best thing about this movie is that it's under two hours. So I don't care. I just don't care. So how many more of these do we, are there other big, what are, what are the big Marvel movies coming up? Uh, oh, um, uh, I think the next one is the new Captain America with, uh, with the, uh, Anthony Mackie now being Captain America that was set up in in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. Right, that's a that's yeah. a TV that's a TV show too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A TV show too. yeah. Okay, that's next July, and they also have. Uh, I mean, Deadpool three is coming back. Oh, that's, oh yeah. God. Oh, yeah. they're still shooting. They kind of got that interrupted. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Oh, Nick, if you delayed. love the multiverse, you're gonna love yeah. Deadpool three. Oh well, I hated oh, yeah. the first. I I hate I fucking hate the two Deadpool movies. I know I'm in the minority on them. I can't. Stand Stand those movies, and I can't stand Ryan Reynolds. And the fact that they drag Wolverine into this after Logan, really, like shitting all over Logan, get the fuck out of here. I, I don't care about any of that. So nonsense. All right. So you the Marvel. Stay home for that one. Stay I, home for uh, that one. Yeah. I mean, I'll be. I'll just be pissed the entire time. I mean, Logan to me is the best comic book movie ever made because yeah. it's the because it's the least like a comic book. That's why it's good. So anyway, and then the, you know I I don't. Oh shit. Anyway, all right. It's short. The Marvels is short, at least. Now, now yeah. but obviously, Eric, uh, interesting, though, mm-hmm. on the box office side, it, the, yeah. uh, the projection for this is pretty low, right? In the Marvel movies, and our comic book movies in general, they're, they're not playing as well, right, as they, as they once were. No, and, and I mean, the, even like the hardcore fans have sort of caught up to the mediocrity that they're being given. And you yeah. know, part of that, I think, is because there's a, more of a disconnect now that they're a little more standalone than the sort of like leading up to an end game kind of situation. I uh, see. And, and again, and again, but the mediocrity is the big thing. And there have been so many negative things said about, I mean, guardians three did very good business, yeah. but Ant-Man didn't. And a couple of the other ones didn't. And so this one, I mean, Captain Marvel was a huge hit. That was 400 plus million yeah. domestic. Yeah. Uh, and this one they're saying probably opening around 60, maybe less. So is uh, the, I mean is, this this is, thing's not going to gross two hundred. So is that fucking Chuck E. Cheese movie going to end up making more money uh, than <laughs> than the Marvels? Ah, it's possible, <laughs> but the Chuck E. Cheese movie took a gigantic drop. Oh, this sure. Past weekend, <laughs> yeah. so it's it's possible that Marvel just just I I think the Marvels will beat it actually, okay. but not by a lot. Now, ultimately, I think this though, around one hundred fifty. Will something like is Megan going to be more? Will, will Megan have made more than the Marvels? You think? Uh, no. Oh, Ma- okay. Megan. Megan, I don't think grossed a hundred. Oh, really? I oh, why think, did I yeah. think that, that was a huge hit then? Why did I? I it's just, it, it's just uh, the movie that came out at the time. It just felt like it. It did. Okay, I, I don't know why um, it felt like it. Why, why it huge. felt like it just took over the world. It, Megan me. was everywhere. That's why. Yeah, that's <laughs> why. Just, yeah, okay. huge the profit. profit. I mean, yeah, yeah. ninety-five million. 
that movie okay. made. What about Cocaine Bear? What did, what did Cocaine Bear make? Oh, <laughs> uh, like 60-something. Okay. I don't know why Dude. those two movies to me are like, well, those yeah. were the biggest goddamn movies. You know why? Because they were shoved, shoved down our throats for the entire yeah. time that yeah. they were out. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. Uh, well, all right. So the Marvels. We'll see what it does box office-wise. Um, but mercifully, it's under two hours. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's move on to something that's, uh, that we can all please. Uh, Steve, uh, the, the, the holdovers is already, it's out now. It's opening wide, um, this mm-hmm. week played in some theaters. Um, it, it is in fact, uh, at currently as we speak, it's playing at the music box theater in 35 on 35 millimeter. Yes. And that's, that's how I saw it. This is Alexander Payne's new movie, uh, reunited with Paul Giamatti. They haven't worked together in almost 20 years since sideways. Um, and it is a, uh, it's a holiday, uh, comedy, uh, and more than that. But anyway, here's, uh. <laughs> Steve, to tell us, uh, to end on a high note, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, with the holdovers. Go ahead, Steve. Yes, a sad high note. Um, yeah. yeah uh, from, from, again, acclaimed director Alexander Payne, uh, the holdovers sort of follows a, a curmudgeonly uh, prep school instructor played by Paul Giamatti um, at a New England prep school who is uh, forced to remain on campus during Christa, Christ, Christmas break uh, to babysit a handful of students who have nowhere to go, whose parents don't want them or can't afford to send them to whatever foreign country they might be from. or um, And uh, including Im- among these, I think there's five of them, is, a, is sort of a damaged, brainy troublemaker named Angus, played by newcomer Dominic Sessa, um, and who ends up, uh, fortunately, one of, the, one of the kids' parents ends up being able to helicopter off many of the students uh except for uh angus um so it basically becomes giamatti angus and uh there's a cook uh, named mary who who has just lost her son in vietnam played by uh, divine joy randolph who's maybe the best thing in this movie and there's a lot to choose from um but her her sadness is so powerful that it kind of almost threatens to destroy her life. And so a lot, if you, from a certain angle, this movie is almost her story too, that watching, see if there's anything humanly possible uh, to like lift her up. But anyway, uh, the film is set in the 1970s, but it's not just a film that's set in the 70s. It's a film that feels like it was made in the 70s from the fake Focus Features logo at the beginning that looks <laughs> looks of the period. Uh, to just camera movements and sort of the folksy soundtrack uh, that sort of, you know, plays. It's, I think, I, I don't know if there's any original music in this, but yeah, the there music is. they choose. There is. Uh, is there? Okay, so yeah. there's, but it, but it all kind of sounds of the time. And yeah. um, anyway, and then also the subject matters of the film, like the Vietnam War, and then also just general disenfranchisement. Um, you know, the costumes obviously are a huge part of it, the production design. Um, and slowly over the course of the film, the three characters kind of have their backstories filled in and we learn a lot about them and we begin to realize that their disappointments with life are all remarkably similar in a, in a certain way. Um, I mean, you can, there's a handful of scenes that are among the best I've seen this year. The one that kind of hit me the hardest, I think, was... Um, there's a there's a Christmas party scene yeah, man. Um, <laughs> that that the, the central characters kind of drop by. It's being thrown by um, another administrator at the 
at the uh, prep school played by Carrie Preston, who is just like wonderful and open hearted. Um, and she's someone that uh, Giamatti's character, uh, whose name I think is uh, Hunnam. I can't remember his first name. Um, yeah. But he, he, his first um, name is Paul. His first name is Paul. It Paul. is Paul, right? Okay. I thought that was yeah. wrong. Okay. That, yeah, okay. No, no, no. So, no, it's Paul. It's Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he kind of, throws a lot of his hopes <laughs> for himself uh in her and he you know of course gets disappointed but there's also talking near that scene about the way he smells and the way <laughs> this like eye condition that he has and they start out as kind of funny things but but eventually they just seem really sad and pathetic and he kind of just has spent and we realize that he's kind of spent his life walling himself off behind books and history and isn't really living very much in the present. The film is uh, written by David Hemmingson. Um, and it, it is, um, it is remarkable. I mean, you literally feel just about every emotion possible in this. It's screamingly funny. It's also very possible. You're going to cry a lot in this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, that's, I love movies like that. I love yeah. movies where you just yeah. go through the rainbow of emotions. So, um, and it doesn't feel like you're being jerked around. It's, it, it just, it just moves. And this kid, uh, Dominic Sessa, who I think this is his first anything really, um, is tremendous. He, he not only kind of captures that sort of mopey teenage, angst and and just you know general blase attitude about the world but by the end of this film again like we've learned a lot about him by the end and he is a kid in a lot of pain and and there's a road trip to boston that seems just tailor-made to fuck him up even more than he already is so um anyway i, I yeah i'll let you guys talk the holdovers is, is one of the best movies of the year yeah. Go see it in thirty-five. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, <laughs> and having and having seen it in thirty-five, and I will see it again. Uh, beautiful prints, um, and it felt mm -hmm. uh, it felt beautiful uh, to see it in thirty-five uh, at the music box. So I would highly recommend uh, checking it out there. Uh, Eric, what'd you think? I I loved it too. I mean, yeah. this is what people talk about today. You know, these movies that they don't make anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not that they don't make movies like this anymore, but they don't make them this good yeah. anymore. Uh, these yeah. sort of these teacher student relationship movies and three, you know, sort of lost souls finding each other road trip movies. I mean, there's all, it's full of all of these, you know, like cliches and uh, plot ideas that we've seen. It's also a great, it's also times. a great Christmas movie. Like a fantastic it's a great, Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah. It's a great Christmas this, movie. And, and this I mean, one, by the way, will be one I watch annually now. I'm not kidding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously. And like, yeah. they're they're, they're uh, the best Christmas movies feel like Christmas. Yeah. Depending on how you how you feel about Christmas personally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but this one certainly has the saddest Christmas party scene I think I've seen <laughs> yeah. in countless movies. I mean, it's just it's a heartbreaking on so many levels. Yeah. Uh, but but getting lost in all of this talk about lost souls and sadness and death and all this stuff. This movie is hysterically funny. Yeah. Really, really funny in the great way that you know, Payne's best movies have been. And, I mean, like, Giamatti and Payne are so in sync oh, yeah. with this character. And, it, again, it, it is the kind of character that you could, you know, in a lesser hand, you could say, well, Giamatti could do this in his sleep. And he absolutely could. 
but he brings these little moments to them. The moment at the party scene, the the scene at the very end that you know where he has to you know have these confrontations at the very end. Yeah. Uh, and the, that that line that he delivers to the headmaster is yeah. like the best line since broadcast news as regards to like you know the line I'm talking about, yeah. Nick. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's so great. And it's a movie that when people have been like been asking me like what should I see this holiday, this is the one I've been saying like whatever you need to do, wherever you need to go to see this movie, just see it because it is an absolute crowd pleaser. It's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you shed a tear. Uh, the performances are so wonderful. Uh, I, I I hope and I assume it's going to play very well during award season. But I hope Focus gets the word out there about this movie because it's fantastic. Well, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to review it because, you know, it's not a brand new release. Like, you know, the Marvels is new and the Killer just came out on Netflix. Those are, you know, newish. Those are new releases. Holdover has been out already. Uh, but I, I wanted to make a point to have the three of us talk about it because I know that all three of us loved it. And this is absolutely one of the best movies of the year and a movie that everybody needs to see. And that, and that a movie that you can enjoy on so many levels uh, it's not afraid to. It's also not afraid to be R-rated. I also love the fact that it is joyously vulgar, and I and I loved that. I thought that, that I thought that that was great and refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, and these characters, you know, once you dig under their, you know, when you first see them, they're each a cliche, and and that's another brilliant the, the way it's written and the way that Payne directs it. At first, you see these three characters who are cliches that have been. These archetypes have been in every movie you could ever imagine. You know what I mean? Like they are, this is a cliche. This is grumpy teacher. This is lonely woman, uh, you know, lonely woman whose son has passed away and, uh, and rich, uh, spoiled, but sad uh, kid. And we've seen these characters a billion times in a billion movies. And at first, when you see them, the, that, you know, you, you see that, that's what's presented. And then slowly... You dig into each one of these characters deeper and deeper and deeper until they come become some of the most significant three-dimensional characters I've seen in a movie in years where you really care about them, where they are are they are go so past cliche and into real three-dimensional human beings that have foibles and have problems and have heartbreak and happiness. Um, this is this is just watching these characters develop as this movie goes on is a gift. Um, Alexander Payne, you know, listen, uh, you, you guys know how I feel about this guy. I, 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 I like downsizing. That's how much I like Alexander Payne. I'm a fan of downsizing. <laughs> and I know that everybody hates that movie. I still love it. But this is like, um, you know, downsizing was his last movie. And, uh, and this is like a return to form. And I like downsizing. But this is a return to form of biblical proportions. Like this is Alexander Payne at his painest. <laughs> and at his best. Uh, and Giamatti is unbelievable. The kid is unbelievable. Uh, and, uh, and you know, uh, and uh, Divine Joy Randolph is exceptional. And, and as I was saying, I was, I was talking to, by the way, uh, my girlfriend and, and her sister, I saw, that, saw this with my girlfriend Julie and her sister Kathleen. And I don't, I've never heard Julie cry so much during a movie. Like she uh-huh. was losing her shit during the entire movie, like losing it in a great way, like in a great way. But I was saying afterwards, we were having a discussion about it. I'm like, Divine Joy Randolph is amazing in this movie. Uh, and, and I'd see if, you know, do you guys feel the same way about this? And Eric, I know you're good at like, you know, you, 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 you want to like, you know, you talk about the Oscars a lot and uh, mm-hmm. figuring out who's going to get nominated and what. I think uh, Divine Joy uh, Randolph at this moment should win Best Supporting Actress. Like, I think it's, it's easy. But 
uh, I have a feeling that she's going to lose uh, to Lily uh, to Lily Gladstone because mm. I think they're going to push her for supporting actress as opposed to actress because she'll have a better shot of winning supporting actress for Killers. They're actually not. They are putting her in lead. They are. Yes. Oh. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because I thought they would go. Let's go supporting, and then she'll get it. Because you know, Timothy Hutton. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, like that, that's always I, the one right, I go exactly. back to. That's always yes. the one oh, I go no, back to. Totally. <laughs> um, no, I think I, I think Divine Joy Randolph has a very good shot of at least getting a nomination. Oh, she I better get nominated. Front runner. I, she I better think she, get there's nominated. a very I mean, good chance that she's going to get nominated. She's incredible. Um, she's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Giamatti's got to get nominated for Best Actor. Uh, for this. I mean, literally a recall. I mean, it's, it's like a re, a re I mean, you know, because they screwed him for Sideways. They this did. has to be the, you know, yeah. this has to be the makeup. It has to be. Award. It has to Not be. that it's a makeup, but. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's but it's interesting because I thought they were going to push uh, Lily Gladstone for supporting. I really did. Uh, because I'm thinking, well, you know, Emma Stone, you know, like. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, this guy's got to be Emma Stone, right? Yeah. I mean. Although that movie's really fucking weird. It'll be interesting to see how, 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 you know, when that movie, because we'll talk about poor things, you know, in a couple of weeks, but um, it'll be interesting to see what, like, normal people (laughs) and members of the the Academy think of poor poor things. Having seen it a second time this week, uh, it's even even crazier than a second Hey, they they gave Best Picture to the Del Toro's Fuck the Fish movie. They did. You're right. You're right. They did. You're absolutely right. But, man, I mean, mean, Emma Stone, and upon second viewing, and and Steve, you saw it again uh, Uh this week, she's unbelievable in that movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a good. It is the performance of the year. Uh, uh, so, but anyway, uh, okay, we're getting sidetracked here, or at least I am. Uh, but the holdovers. It is easily the best movie that's out right now. It's easily one of the very best movies of the year. It's a great holiday film, a great Christmas movie. Everybody should see it. If you get a chance to see it in thirty-five at the Music Box, take advantage of that. If not, just see it wherever it's playing. It is absolutely one of the best movies of the year, and continuing the great tradition of Alexander Payne kicking monumental ass every time you make a movie so all right anyway so the holdovers i we had to get that one in there all right, mm-hmm. right. uh next time uh, we talk it'll be a couple of weeks will be thanksgiving uh so what do we yeah. got for for uh thanksgiving napoleon 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 oh god all right. salt yeah. burn salt wish. burn and uh oh yeah that new animated disney oh wish musical. the new anime so yeah. we got wish uh and the and the other big one is ridley scott's nine hour right. uh napoleon all right cool and then we're getting close, man. We got to start putting our list together for our favorite movies yeah. of the year. Wow, yeah, working through it. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I've been starting to like sift through that stuff as well. So mm-hmm. it's nice when you see something like the holdovers and go, "Oh, I know what's in my top five already." That's <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's, yeah. So there you go. All right. So everybody see the holdovers is the message we're trying to tell you. So all right, that's cool. correct. All right, Steve, Eric, thank you guys, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Thanks. All right, guys. See ya. There you go. There's Eric. There's uh, Steve, and they are movie critics. And coming up right here is Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esma, I'm talking about that Esma, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, yeah, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah, get yourself some Esma, love me some Esma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda. All right. Esmeralda.
Well, we all know what that theme means. That theme means it's time to talk to Esmeralda Leon, who uh, is on uh, the podcast all the time. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. Hi, and welcome back uh, from your your trip. Oh, very, very cool. You spent Halloween in New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I've never, I've been to New Orleans a few times, but I've never spent Halloween in New Orleans, which seems like a... um, an appropriate and special place to spend that crazy ass holiday. Yeah. Um, the only thing is because it was during the week, it was kind of um, like people were out and doing stuff, but I think a lot of uh, the celebrating happened the weekend before and weeks before that. Okay. So they were <laughs> so all kind of It was like, a little quiet. They were a little poop. It was, you know... Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, things are happening, but it wasn't, like, how you would think, like, an all-out insane thing. Yeah, But it was cool. It was fun. People were out in costumes, and um, so people were out having a good time. Okay, cool. All right, so um, it was your first time uh, to to New Orleans, Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, where did you guys stay? Did you guys stay in the quarter? Were you... you, uh... No, we stayed stayed in Treme. Okay. Uh, at an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now, uh, you had, you, now you'd never been to New Orleans before. What was your your initial? What were your, what were your thoughts? What do you think? Um, it's cool. <laughs> uh, I think I probably should have. We we probably if we go ne- if we go another time we are going to do things a little differently. Okay. Um. Um, in terms of like, we didn't have a car, we didn't rent a car because we didn't think we really needed one, but, um, it turns out things are kind of far. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Things that we wanted to do, um, outside of the quarter. Yeah. Is everything's a little spread out a little bit. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they, their public transit. Not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's only buses and streetcars. It's not, it's not like here where there's trains and there's this so we would like look something up uh through public transit and it would just take way too long (laughs) so we're like we'll just take an uber um so yeah we just had to do a lot of that yeah and ubering will add up um if you're you know after a while uh that's 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 a pretty that's a pretty good expense if you're going on a trip that uh where stuff is spread out ubering is going to add up um after a little while yeah i didn't know um whether you guys were gonna have a car or not i um um because yeah every time i've gone there there's there's been a car involved <laughs> so mm. um yeah because <laughs> um, yeah, i mean i don't i don't know if I, i've never f- i've never flown down there ever yeah um every single time i've gone to new orleans it's been by car so there's always been a car you know there uh, I, I didn't mm-hmm. even think, I don't even know. I didn't even think about that. Cause every time, like an idiot, I was like, yeah, I just assume everybody drives to new Orleans, but, uh, no, you don't. Lots of people don't drive to new Orleans. So, um, <laughs> but you were, you, you spent some time in the quarter though. That's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a cool area. It's a little too Wrigleyville for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a little too pea smelling Wrigleyville. Yeah. <laughs> um, but aside from that, like, it's cool. Like, you, you know, it's it's fun to go for, like, a day mm-hmm. down to Bourbon Street. But after that, like, 
you know, I like to have fun and go out and it just like after one night, it was just like, oh, all right, more yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there are a lot of, but there are a lot of, now, where did you guys eat? Where, where, give me a, give me a little rundown of what you guys. So the first night we ate at, we, so uh, the first night we got there was the, the 30th and that is our um, anniversary. So we went to Commander's Palace, oh, which boy. was amazing yeah man it was such a good dinner and you know like i'm not one for service and like atmosphere and all of that but this place was amazing yeah the our server everybody in the place is you know they've trained them all to (laughs) like they everybody just acknowledges you you know you walk by someone and they're just like hello good evening Mm -hmm. and it's just like you feel very taken care of um, and then the food was just amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was so good. That's so cool. Uh, so that was your anniversary. I didn't know that your anniversary was. Mm-hmm. Why did I not know that your anniversary was the day before uh, the day before Halloween? That's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think we probably mentioned that before. How many years have you guys been together now? Uh, it's eight now. Eight. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for you. That's that's uh, that's uh, that's a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really cool. And, uh, did you guys, what, what, um, you stayed in, in, uh, in Treme. Did you do uh, some cool stuff there? Did you go to any clubs or anything while you were there? No, I mean, Treme is really just neighborhood, yeah. neighborhood area, mm-hmm. like super quiet. So we didn't go anywhere mm-hmm. around there. Um, we, well, I learned, I love Gulf oysters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they are amazing. I had never had a gold oyster realizing when I got down there because they're just these giant, meaty, briny. They're so good. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I would go back just for that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, for me in general, um, not just, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the oysters again are, as you mentioned, they're unbelievable. They are. The Gulf oysters are, are incredible. Um, but for me, Every time I've gone to New Orleans, it's like the best goddamn food I've ever had. Like, the, so besides mm-hmm. besides the the um, the oysters, which you guys had, what other stuff did you eat? And um, and were there any other places that you ate w- within the quarter? So we did the we did the stereotypical, and we went to Cafe Du Monde, mm-hmm. um, and we had some beignets and coffee. And that coffee is I'd never had the Cafe Du Monde coffee. Yeah. And the mix of chicory and coffee is so good. Know, I'm man. looking like I need to look into buying some because that stuff was delicious. Um, we also ate, we ate at a place called Mother's. Um, that was kind of just like a, almost like a cafeteria style place. So good. Mm-hmm. We had po'boys and jambalaya and gumbo. Um and everything was so delicious. Like yeah. you can't, I feel like you can't really go wrong um, finding places. No. Um, we also ate down uh, Frenchman Street where like all the music kind of happens. Like you walk down the street and it's just music blaring out of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a recommendation to go to this Italian place called Adolfo's. Um, so mm-hmm. Adolfo's is... Um, run in a one bedroom apartment above a bar yeah um it's it was great it was a great place unfortunately the owner of adolfo's adolfo had passed away the year prior right um right. so that was sad that was sad to see you walk up and you're like oh oh 
That's not... <laughs> but um, so they were supposed to sell the place when he passed, but his family has kept it going. So and it's still it was it was great. They um they have seafood and you know like usual pasta things, but it's like a mix of Italian and kind of Creole is um what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really good. We uh we were there, and then how you do it is you just you know you tell them how many people, and then you have to go downstairs to the bar, which is yep. the Apple Barrel Bar. Yep. Um. And it's so that place was great. We actually uh, the bartender there, um, Colin, went up to get a drink and the bartender just he hadn't said anything, I don't think. And the bartender just went, are you from Chicago? Really? <laughs> yeah, apparently she had been she had was living. Um, she's from Chicago as well. <laughs> Um, but she's been living in New Orleans for six years now. But it was a weird thing. Like, it's like, wow, you got clocked for being from Chicago. How did, like, he's well, how not did wearing she... anything that says Chicago. So yeah. I don't know what 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 he was giving off. <laughs> so she he, he was just giving off Chicago vibe. And I she, guess so. She caught she on. She just kind of just yeah. She he told me he's like yeah. She just <laughs> looked at me and was like, "Are you from Chicago?" <laughs> Wow. Did she recognize him maybe from someplace no, in Chicago? No, I don't know. He's never met her. No. Oh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. Oh, okay. But All yeah, right. we were in that in that bar. It's this tiny little bar as well. And they had a little band playing. Um, that was super cool. So yeah, it was a good time overall. Um I just there would be things I would do a little differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the so renting a car would be one thing. Um Yeah. Like, yeah. I wouldn't use it for the French Quarter because that's just like you can just walk everywhere. But oh, like, yeah. if you want to yeah. go outside of it, mm-hmm. which we would have wanted to, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we would need a car mm-hmm. or it would just take such a long time to get anywhere. Did you uh, did you visit any of the Marie Laveau um, locations? The yeah. Voodoo, the Voodoo so what's stuff? happening now is all it's got to be those... it's got to be pretty crazy for Halloween, uh, you know, uh, for Marie Laveau, that's got to be they 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 got. Well, so here's nuts. the thing: those all the cemeteries, yeah, um, the Catholic cemeteries are closed. To you can't just walk in; you have to have a sanctioned tour guide take you through. Yeah, um, um, maybe I knew that because the only time I've ever been into the cemeteries was on a tour. I maybe I didn't even realize that they weren't open to the public. Yeah, they closed them. They closed them a few while a few years ago just because people were. Um, doing terrible things to them. <laughs> yeah, well, they would go to we they, were, would, they would go to Marie Laveau's grave and uh, they would light candles and, and spray paint stuff. They would graffiti it like they would have to right. clean it up. They would have to clean because people go there and pray to her grave. You know, like for zoo, for for voodoo for voodoo stuff. And they would actually yeah. some people would go so, so far as like to kill animals and shit and do really weird shit. But they would actually have to come in and clean up her grave like every couple of months. That was a regular thing. Yeah, we did. So we did take a tour. And yeah, they explained everything, like even to the point where they're like, you can't leave anything. If you leave something, you must take it back because that's considered littering and you can't. Yeah, you can't do anything. Yeah. Um, So they were pretty strict about that. Um, But it was really cool. I got to see uh, Jen's Jen uh, Bosworth's boss's uh, uh, home (laughs) in his afterlife. (laughs) Nicholas Cage has a grave there. (laughs) Yeah. So that was funny to that was funny to talk about because the guy who the tour guide was great. Yeah. And he he just had a he had a bit of a disdain for Nicholas Cage. Because mm-hmm. he he um apparently in his off time he works in uh film. 
So he kind of, he's never met him or anything, but he, like, he kind of has a disdain for Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Um, also because the tomb, so the tomb that he has is a big old pyramid. And apparently in that area, it used to be a little bit of a meditation garden. But because Nicolas Cage had enough money, um, as the tour guide put it, uh, you no longer can meditate here. You can meditate in the car on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Nicholas Cage. Oh, Nick Cage. Yeah. For God's sake. Yeah. And it's it's it, the the interesting thing about for people who might not know, the, the there are tombs in the graveyards at New Orleans because the the uh, where New Orleans is located, uh, the bodies have to be above the ground. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. A, I didn't I had no clue what was in the tombs like i thought the bodies were in there like yeah. straight up bodies were just being stacked up in there yeah. but um how the tour guide so the tour guide explained it to us um how it used to be and i think it changes a little bit now but because so you put someone in the tomb you open up the the square you'll see the the little square and they they pry that open put you in and you're in there for a year and a day um, and in that year and a day, that tomb gets so hot, it pulverizes you. Yep. You turn to dust. It's their own free cremation service. Yeah. Um, and then there's a hole in the back um, where they essentially just push your dust in. So there could be like 50 bodies yep. in a tomb, except they're all just dust. Yep. So... That's how, you know, they just generations on generations are able to keep a tomb. Um, it, it was really interesting, too, that, like, you have to be Catholic because it is, a, at least that one is a Catholic cemetery. Right. So if you are not Catholic, they will not allow you in. Does not matter if your family owns the tomb. Doesn't matter. You have to be Catholic. Apparently, Nicolas Cage's uh, spouses are not allowed to be buried there. Hmm. Okay. If he so wants to, because they okay. are not Catholic. I see. I see. All right. So apparently well, Nicolas Cage is Catholic. I didn't know. That. Oh yeah, no, he's full on Italian. I mean, he's he's a he's a Coppola Esmeralda. He's a Coppola. So mm. oh yeah, he's a full True. on. Yeah, he's a full on <laughs> full on Italian Catholic. No question about it. Um, but it's interesting because um, uh, well, well, first of all, what was the? I mean, what was your weather like? Was it how how muggy was it? It's not too bad in October. It wasn't muggy at all. We yeah. it was a. It was in the fifties, low sixties. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay, that's good. That's good because sometimes, I mean, I, I was I was down there one time in August. Jesus Christ, I thought I was going to die. Yeah, um, yeah. We were we would talk to the Uber drivers and stuff, and they're just like, yeah, the the humidity is wild. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> another thing. Like, if you take one of those tours, I took one of those tours once in in August, and um, I'm telling you, the smell is not pleasant. <laughs> it's Oof. just not yeah. We pleasant. were. I mean, those bodies we, are. Cooking. It was actually chilly. Yeah, it was no, those, actually chilly when we were there. <laughs> yeah, no, those bodies are cooking. If you go like um, midday, like in July on a graveyard tour, you're gonna smell some mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now the 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 did you so you you did you did you actually see you went to her grave? You went to Marie Laveau's graveyard then. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you saw her tomb, which is cool. Did you guys go to the church across the street? We did. We did went they, to go look for Saint Expedite. And was he there? He was there. Oh, he cool! Was there and right, <laughs> he's there right at the like. I actually we went in and we walked through because they had a bunch of saints. 
Yeah, and then the I dude, realized yeah. towards the end he's just right there in the corner. Like, yeah, no, they, like, it's oh. interesting because he is right there. But no, I mean that church is beautiful anyway. Like there are saints everywhere. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful church. But yeah, just that little yeah. story. But isn't he weird? Isn't it just the, like the coolest, weirdest thing ever? Saint Expedite. I just find it interesting that they didn't know who he was. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> just because I mean, there's so many saints and things. You think someone would figure out who he is? Yeah, yeah. They there was no like I mean you know I guess the story was that there was no return address it just said expedite on the box and they put him up and now he's saying expedite and that's where the yeah. that's where the voodoo practicers uh, go to uh, <clears throat> yeah to, to, yeah that's um, pretty cool we so when we did the tour and we it was All Saints Day so it was the day after oh, oh, uh, cool. Halloween oh cool so people so people were actually at the cemetery people were actually allowed to come in if they were family. Um, so oh, we actually okay. did while we were on the tour. Some a family did come in to go see their loved ones. Yeah, wow. Um, which is interesting because they like came through and they're just like, "Excuse me." And <laughs> yeah. I was like, "What tour is this?" And they went, yeah. "Oh, they're a yeah. family." Yeah, they're they like, "Excuse me, who have loved ones." Yeah. Excuse me, excuse me, tourist. I'd like to visit my. Excuse loved me, as you gawk at our family yeah. members. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, uh, and so. Um, uh, so you did that, and uh, well, that's cool. Now, did you go on any any uh, haunted tours? Did you go on? Uh, uh... No, we did not do that. Oh, okay, okay, because those are <laughs> we fun. We saw man. a few of those, and yeah, we we weren't. No, thank you. They, if they're fun, especially if you have the right tour guide, and uh, and, it's, and you know, yeah. even the even the you know, like the person that you had on the you know on the cemetery tour, um, or that part of the or that part of town is great. If you got the right tour guide and, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, this, 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 the haunted ones are fun because they're so ridiculous. Uh, there was a restaurant that we went to. There was an Indian restaurant that we went to, which in fact, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, and it was in the quarter. Uh, it was right or just right outside the quarter. Um, and it was an Indian restaurant and it was the best Indian food. It's seriously the best Indian food I've ever had in my life was in this place, um, mm-hmm. in new Orleans. And I can't remember the name of it, but the reason why we went in there we would have never even seen the place was because it was a stop on this haunted tour because the upstairs of this Indian restaurant is supposed to be haunted. So I remember we went in, this was on my, uh, my, my first honeymoon. And, um, you know, we went in a small group, we went in and as soon as we walked in, we were like, Oh my God. Like as soon as the smell hit us, mm-hmm. we're like, we're, we're eating here tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like as soon as we walked in, <laughs> yeah, because the smell was unbelievable, and we would have never found that place had we not gone on this ghost tour, because the upstairs was supposed to be, you know, haunted, and it was dark up there, and mm-hmm. you know, and so we went up, and you know, the 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 owner was like, uh, opened up the red, you know, the you know the velvet rope, and was like, go ahead up to the haunted room, you know, and we <laughs> we, all, we all go up there, and nothing scary happened, and the guy was trying, you know, the 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 tour guide was trying to build it up and go, oh, this happened in this room and this guy hung himself, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little distracted by the fucking food because I really <laughs> want to go downstairs and eat right now. So I would have never found this place had it not been for the crazy haunted, uh, the haunted tour. So very cool. Uh, and um, did you have a hurricane? Uh, no, I did not. No hurricane. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, we did not. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I had plenty uh, of French seventy fives, though. French, okay. <laughs> Every place has a French seventy five. Um, when, when we went, one of the times I went down there, uh, like in the mid nineties, is like I mean, it was almost thirty years ago. It was one of the first times I went down there. Um, I went to Emerald's restaurant. This was like right when mm-hmm. Emerald 
before he became, you know, Emerald. It was like, yeah, he was just kind of the funny guy on Food Network. You know, like he hadn't mm-hmm. like he hadn't been bam. He wasn't selling air fryers on TV. He didn't have a sitcom. You know, he wasn't, you know, he he was just this the cool sort of guy uh, who had a cooking show on the Food Network uh, mm-hmm, in the in, yeah. you know, like in the middle of the night. And we went to his restaurant and I mean, he's got like three or four restaurants down there, obviously. Uh, and it was one of the best meals I ever had. And that was like that was when that was when we got one of the times we went there. That was when we got fancy was when we went to Emeralds and. And again, those people know, man, if you're going to go to a fancy ass restaurant in New Orleans, I mean, one of the things that's world renowned about New Orleans is the food and are the restaurants. So mm-hmm. if you go to yeah. a, a well-known one like you guys did, um, you're going to get the treatment, man. It's uh, yeah, we had yeah. to um, there's a dress code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you men had to wear jackets. You had to wear yeah. a jacket. Yeah. So we were just like, oh, look at us. <laughs> yeah. All fancy. All fancy. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So overall, you had a you had a you had a really cool time. Um, I mean, the next time you go, you'll be a little bit more prepared, and you'll have uh, a rent a car or something so that you can explore right. a little bit more. Right, probably yeah. just get a car. Yeah, we can get out a little more. Yeah. Um, because yeah, uh, Bourbon Street is for the young folks. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, it is. There are still great nooks and crannies though in the quarter that you can find, like to get away from that shit. Because there are there are like little streets that you can go down and little places like in in alleys and shit. That are that you can get away from that not a lot of people know about. Did you, uh, you guys didn't go to the place called the Dungeon? Did you? We were going to, um, yeah. but I think some like where we were, or whatever it was like, gonna be too bit of a walk or whatever we were doing. Right. Uh, but yeah. we were going to. We were. Okay. That was one of the places we were recommended. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Next time you go, you got to go. And next time you go to New Orleans, stop by the Dungeon. It'll it'll uh, it'll treat you right. <laughs> <laughs> now I have not I have not gone back to New Orleans since I quit drinking and I know that I would probably be like uh huh I would be especially I mean, the, yeah. especially the quarter it would be tough in the quarter but outside of the quarter it's I'm sure I'd be fine yeah but, it's ridiculous in the quarter just because every corner has a pizza and daiquiri joint yep yep just going and, down it's like yeah frozen whatever those machines like just every yep. corner has one of those restaurants yep. or not even a restaurant it's just like a little and, storefront and, bit and you can drink in the streets. You can just walk around mm-hmm. with your booze in the streets, and and um, yeah. uh, and you know it's crazy. It's 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 it's. I mean, that's just the way it is in New Orleans. You can booze it up right on the street and walk down the street, and you know, with your drinks, and stop in, grab a drink, walk right back out on the str- onto the sidewalk, yeah. and uh, yeah, um, everyone's got plastic cups ready to even the nice places. They have yep. plastic ready <laughs> yes, to they do. To yeah. go. I was yes, like, this is do. interesting. Okay. <laughs> I've never been there for Mardi Gras and I can't imagine going there. Uh I can't it even would, imagine. It would be chaos. Yeah. Um, even although I told so Colin was like, Oh my god, it would probably be awful just because it would be so many drunks and whatever and, and this and that. But I'm like, Well if you stay in the, you know, Bourbon Street, but you know, Mardi Gras is all of the city. Yeah. So if you yeah. find like the cool places where mm-hmm. people are doing parades and things that are neighborhood based, yeah. I'm sure it's a little cooler than yeah. the, the drunks puking in the corner. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get, yeah, no, exactly. Like you're going to get bourbon street maniacs anytime you go down there. Like, the, like, you know, no matter what time you guys went in October and there were idiots walking down bourbon street, you know, shit face, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to happen 24, seven, 365 days of the year. But on, on Mardi Gras, it's fucking, it's gotta be completely insane. And, but you know, the other thing is um, a, a lot of these great places that are outside of the quarter are so much fun to, 
to to visit, and there are it's so beautiful. We took a uh, yeah. a swamp. We took a swamp tour, which you know, if you get down there again, man, go through the alligators, go through the fucking swamps. They're amazing. <laughs> They're amazing. You get alligators jumping up near you. It's really really cool. It's really cool to go on a swamp tour. And I'm a big fan. I don't know. Um, I don't know if we've ever really talked about. Yeah, I mean, you like Interview with the Vampire. I know that you like the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. a I'm a huge fan of her books. Of Anne Rice's books, and she's got a beautiful house. Well, many beautiful houses down there that you can actually. One of them you can actually visit. And then they have tours. This requires this requires vehicles, uh, uh, where you can go on the tours of all the locations where many of her books took place. And that was fun as a fan uh-huh. of Anne Rice, and uh, as a fan of Anne Rice and the and the Lestat books. Um, it was really fun to the, go to the locations that inspired so much stuff from those books. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. So if you're if people are fans of of Anne Rice, I highly recommend doing it because there are so many of them available. Um, uh, uh, doing some of the Anne Rice uh, sanctioned tours because they're really really fucking cool, especially if you're, if you're a fan of those books. So, and of course, you know the show oh, Treme, cool. uh, the show Treme HBO yeah. show. Um, you know, uh, I I mean I I you know. Uh, I don't know if they have like a a, a statue of Bunk uh, in the in the middle of. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, so I'm glad you. Oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and oh. I love Nick's show. Oh, she just threw some beads at me. All right, Carrie, take it oh. easy. Hi, oh, I'm Carrie Russell, yeah. and right. I love right. Nick's show. All right, there you go, Carrie. Just very excited that you were in New Orleans. Uh, I don't know. She still got her beads. Yeah. Waiting and ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did you hear a yeah, lot of that? Yeah. While you were while you were in New Orleans, was there a lot? Right. Of that yeah. Thing? No. When you're walking down Bourbon, yeah, people get crazy. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad that you had a good time. Um, and uh, you know, uh, and and again, you know, your first time down there, some of the, but it's so cool. I mean, you did so many cool things. You went to a lot of the classic places. You had all kinds of amazing food. Uh, experienced all the really cool stuff. You got your gumbo, you got your jambalaya, you got your seafood, all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Went on Bourbon Street, had some boozies. Uh, didn't have a hurricane. Um, no. Uh, at Pat, O'Bri- Pat O'Brien's, right? Was that the name of the place? Uh, uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, we went there. That was like one of the first things we did uh, uh, when we went there was to go to that because I guess it was you know one of the things you're supposed to do. And I did have one hurricane, and I will tell you this. Um, it, it is a strong drink. Yeah, it's just it's rum. Very, it's just yeah, it's like just a, different rums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is a very strong drink. It'll knock you on your ass. And I'm, I was a professional drinker, Esmeralda, and I still, I was like, whoa, what the, <laughs> like if any city is going to knock you on your ass, even if you're an alcoholic, it's New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. No, um, they, they go hard. They yeah, go real they hard do. in that place. <laughs> but it's also just a beautiful place too. I mean, I know it has it has this reputation, especially in the quarter, of being this loud, crazy all night party, drinking in the streets, pissing all over the place, and, and all that. And yes, that exists. But the surrounding areas and all the places that are around there, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Yeah the the houses. So around uh, Commander's Palace is the Garden District, and right. that area is beautiful. just those homes are amazing and yeah. Beautiful giant and gorgeous yeah yeah and then in treme like it's that classic um new orleans house where it's like the really colorful um outside and like it was really cool to see i'm trying to remember where where, do you remember where the real world kids stayed 
When oh, I couldn't tell you. They were like outside a streetcar. They yeah, they had a streetcar right um, outside the right outside their yeah. house. I want to say it was. No I, I want to say it was near the Garden District. I think they were. I think they stayed near the Garden District. Um, you probably to have a house that big because yeah. in the quarter, like you can't really. They're no. all kind of. But they, smaller, they, almost apartment-looking places. They needed to be not really far from the quarter so that they could get drunk, which was the whole purpose of that of that season. Right, was <laughs> to get them get get them shit faced and you know and have them go home. Um, but yeah, I think they were near the Garden District when they stayed uh, for, for that season when when they were in New Orleans. Yeah, so apparently they were in the Belfort Mansion, okay. which is in the Garden District. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Which is yeah, it's not far from uh, from uh, the French Quarter. Oh yeah, well they want MTV. MTV yeah. wanted them to be as close to booze as possible. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? They wanted good TV, Esmeralda. <laughs> yeah, they were they were along a streetcar yeah. too. So yeah, yeah, it worked out for them. <laughs> cool. Well, listen, I'm I'm glad you had a good time. I I, I love that city, and um and again. Um, you know, everybody immediately thinks, oh, you got to get boozed up. You don't necessarily have to get boozed up. There's a lot of really beautiful stuff to do and some interesting stuff to do. And on top of that, as I've always said, and, and now you can attest to this, the fucking food is amazing. The food is oh, amazing. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. So if you like food, there's a, that's a, hey, speaking of food, I don't know if you're aware of this. <gasps> McRib is back. Yeah. This week. I saw a thing about it. I saw a thing that McRib is back and I immediately thought of you. <laughs> yeah, they're it's normally it's back already. We've had to wait. I think we have we had, we had to wait. We're still kind of waiting. We had to wait. I think it's like 10, 12 extra days this year. I mean, uh, they had to process all those pigs. <laughs> yeah. Get those ribs. That's you know. right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, rib is back. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a specially curated meal. Exactly. I mean, it's a delicacy. It's a goddamn delicacy. (laughs) That's what I used to call. I don't know if you do. You remember? Do you remember when McDonald's had the McJordan? Um, Uh, I do not remember it now. This was in the early. Now I say it was like ninety. It was ninety one. It was like I think after. It was right after they had won. It was after they, right after they won the first uh, '90s championship when the Bulls won the first mm-hmm. '90s championship of the what did they won? They won six of them, right? I think, yeah. Um, but the first one was in '91, and so they had this thing called the McJordan, which was like essentially a quarter pounder with cheese, but with like barbecue sauce. And it was on mm-hmm. like an onion roll, maybe or something. I can't remember, but it was like. A... So is this was this like this is what Michael Jordan liked? Yeah, and he was on the commercial. He was on the commercial like uh, uh, this is so my this favorite. Is, so this is like one of the first celebrity meals because now they're doing that left and right where they're yeah um doing like a celebrity meal that I don't know, you know whoever. Yeah. Cardi B, like her right. McDonald's this right. Day. right, right, right. And then whoever. <laughs> right, Cardi B. I totally forgot. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was like, and I don't know if it was just local, if it was just in Chicago, um, or if it was nationwide. I mean, obviously, Michael Jordan is popular worldwide, obviously, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'm not sure if at the time, because the, the Bulls had just won the championship, that it was like just the local McDonald's. But like he was on the mm-hmm. commercials and he like specified what he liked. He liked barbecue sauce. He liked I think it was like <laughs> maybe grilled onions because, you know, you don't get a grilled onion on. You don't get grilled onions on a 
on a quarter pounder right. because it's uh, raw onions. Um, so like they, so they had the uh, they you know they so it was whatever he specified what he liked and it was like grilled onions, quarter pounder with cheese on a different kind of bun, but with with special Michael Jordan approved barbecue sauce was the big thing. <laughs> approved and it was according to mcdonald's uh, wikipedia okay Okay. uh it was uh mostly sold in the chicagoland area oh okay okay but it makes sense and and i remember i had one and i was like oh this is a goddamn delicacy and i remember (laughs) because i really liked it i thought it was a really good sandwich and i was like wow and so i had a bunch of them and i think the barbecue sauce i think this whole special barbecue sauce and that michael jordan like approved I'm reasonably mm-hmm. sure it was the McRib barbecue sauce, you know, uh, <laughs> me because I know the McRib. With like more sugar in it or yeah. something, more yeah. ketchup. Because I'm kind of intimately familiar with the McRib barbecue sauce. We've discussed my consumption yeah. of McRibs, mm-hmm. and especially you know back in the day when I worked at McDonald's like 40 years ago, um, you know. But 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 I liked it because it was like a quarter pounder with cheese, grilled onions with the McRib sauce on it. And I was like, ooh. And I kept referring to it as a goddamn delicacy. And I remember one night I was with a, a group of people and um, and I had had uh, I had had uh, some drinks, which was uh, odd. And uh, I was in a car and the person driving who had not been drinking um, was taking mm-hmm. us through was taking us through the drive through because like the people in the back who were drunk like me and a couple of my friends were <laughs> they took us through the drive through. And had infinite patience with us. Because anybody who's the designated driver, um, you must be blessed with infinite patience if you have a car full of Right. Oh, yeah. And we were (laughs) drunk and we were idiotic and whatever. And we went through the drive-thru. And uh, and I just kept yelling when we got up to the we got up to the window. I I just or not the window, but the speaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were like, What would you like? And I'm like, I want two goddamn delicacies. And I just kept calling it (laughs) Wow. Well, sir, all of our food items <laughs> yeah. are delicacies. We like to think everything on the McDonald's menu is a, de- is a delicacy. Need to be a little more specific, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm shit-faced. I'm going, I want a delicacy. Give me two delicacies. And and the driver, of course, was just like, would you shut the fuck up, Nick? You know, And I'm like, no, delicacy. I want a delicacy now. <laughs> so. so looking further into this, um, it it turns out that they sold it at roughly 350 McDonald's locations in the Chicago area. Yeah. But then, so that was in 91. In 92, they also started selling them in locations in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Alabama and Tennessee. Mm, okay. North Carolina makes complete sense. That makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense because uh, that's where Jordan went to school. Um, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so it expanded. And then also, then yes, and then also in North Carolina, apparently they had some promotion that you could do that customers could reduce the price of the burger by one cent for every point Jordan scored in Friday night games. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Wow! I wonder. It was how- already like a dollar eighty nine. So. I'm curious how well that went. Man, I wonder how much McDonald's lost on it because he scored a lot of points. Well, it was only it was some franchisees, so they they would they would opt into that offer. Hey, you want to know you you want to know the biggest hit that McDonald's ever took, Esmeralda? What's that? Okay, Uh, I worked at McDonald's in the. I mean, I worked at McDonald's in the early '80s, so you know, like 40 years ago, 
And I worked the last summer that I worked there was the summer of 1984. I quit like at, uh, like around September of, or October of 1984. I quit mm-hmm. uh, so that I could pursue Jewel because <laughs> so, I was working at both Jewel and McDonald's. I was working both jobs. I was working at Jewel and McDonald's, and I, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to put all my effort and concentration into Jewel. I wanted to instead of flipping burgers, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that I could put eggs on the shelf properly. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. took a lot more concentration. Mm-hmm. Of so, course, so, yeah. so, so, um, but, uh, but I worked there in the summer of 1984. And if you, re- if you remember, well, you were one in the summer of 1984. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> so, but you don't remember, but you probably historically know this, that, um, uh, um, the Soviet Union or Russia, they, um, boycotted the summer Olympics that year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they were not there. So before the boycott happened, McDonald's was like, hey, here's a great deal. We're going to celebrate the Summer Olympics at McDonald's. And uh, whenever you buy something, you can pull a tab on here and uh, whatever category or whatever. You pull a tab and the tab will have a sport on it. Yeah. And if the depending on how many gold medals America wins, the U.S. wins, you get free food. So. The Soviet Union, they boycotted. So America won like eight million gold medals that year, and and McDonald's lost millions of fucking dollars, like millions of dollars, because they couldn't back out. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. they they had all this stuff in motion. You know, they had all the all the game pieces printed up. The promotions were all done. The commercials were all recorded. Everything was ready to go. And then you know the Soviet Union pulls the Soviet pull they they pull out of the Olympics. Which means that, which means that McDonald's had to give away millions of dollars worth of food because the the U.S. was winning gold medals left and right. It was oh wow, and and and, and, a, and a couple of smaller countries also, a couple of smaller countries also uh, boycotted to show allegiance with uh, the Soviets. And mm-hmm. so as a result, you know, the U.S. won like a ton of gold medals, and McDonald's gave away millions of dollars worth of food. And, oh my goodness! Yeah, so I don't know if that's the same thing. They're like shaving, you know, like <laughs> how many points right. is Michael Jordan gonna gonna score? Is gonna make your sandwich cheaper? And that guy can score a lot of points. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um. So apparently, you can also just replicate it now. Oh, okay. Um, you just have to do a custom order. So you just ask for a quarter pounder. You add bacon and barbecue sauce. Oh, it's bacon, right? And if you bacon. Yeah, and if you don't want to ask for the barbecue sauce on it, you can just get a packet of barbecue sauce, and it would be the same. So your McChicken, your McChicken, so, your McChicken barbecue sauce, your or chicken, or your, your nuggets barbecue sauce, your McNugget barbecue sauce. You can just get that yeah. on the side and pour it on there. Okay. So yeah, you should try it next time you go. And, and then that's a goddamn delicacy. That's a. That's there you go. Is. I want a You'll goddamn be delicacy. Be transported to me being drunk in the backseat of a car in 1991, going, "I want a goddamn delicacy." Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I was, I was dating Leslie Presley at that time. And she seemed probably very, uh, amused by the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no. So, uh, so yeah, but, that, but, um, yeah. And, but I remember one day as well during the summer of, uh, and this was like, I, I think probably a week into the Olympics. So they were already seven days deep giving away millions of dollars worth of product. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there was a big chart in the front, in the lobby. Where you could, where we would stick stickers to 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 show how many gold medals the U.S. won. Yeah, and it got to the point where we ran out of room on the big chart <laughs> because yeah. they had because of all the gold medals. And I remember 
um, a group of people came in and they had won a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, they kept getting free food. And um, I went out to, I was a manager at that time. I was, I was uh, training to be a manager at that time. And so I sent somebody out to clean up the lobby. I'm like, go ahead and, you know, give a sweep and mop to the lobby, you know. And so they went out and they came back and they go, Nick, you have to come out here and look at this one table. And this was in the McDonald's lobby. And I walk out and someone had stacked up all their, you remember the old styrofoam containers that McDonald's mm-hmm. used to come in? They had stacked up like a giant pyramid of the shit that they got for free. Oh my god! And it almost reached <laughs> it almost reached the ceiling. Like it was just a giant oh stack of empty styrofoam containers of free sandwiches and shit that we gave them. And that and I, and, and I wish I had a phone back then because we would have taken a picture of it and went, yeah, this yep. is how much this local McDonald's gave away in the last two hours. <laughs> That's crazy. It was completely insane. <laughs> So I'm curious now. I want to go back and check the numbers on the on the delicacy um, <laughs> and how much people, how many McDonald's lost that because of how many points Michael Jordan scored. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. So anyway, well, um, well, I'm glad you're back, uh, Esmeralda. And oh, uh, thank you. And it's always nice to have you back. And you know, I'm glad you guys had a good time. And yeah, you make a few adjustments when you go down there first. Um, the car is a big one. I, I had forgotten about that. I had forgotten to, to, yeah. And I guess I just assumed again, like I said, because I've driven down there every time I've gone, I've driven. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's nice to have a car, but outside of that lovely place, great food, friendly people. Yes. Nice people. Yeah. Everyone was great. Yeah. Very, very cool. I was actually going to move there. Oh, um, really? I was after I, I had like a horrible breakup at like around 2000, end of 2002, beginning of 2003, and I literally was just going to move to New Orleans. Um, I actually contacted a just radio Just sight show. unseen? Like you just... No, no. Oh, okay. So, I had been right, there. So I, I had been, been, I, no, no, I had been but there But you had made times. some connections no, I, in terms yeah. of jobs. Yeah, no, no. I had a... No, I, had a, no I, I, I actually contacted two radio stations, and they were interested. Um, and I had a buddy who used to bartend at Simon's who moved to New Orleans. He used to live there and he was mm-hmm. in Chicago for a few oh, years, but then he, he moved back to New Orleans. He's like, I can give, I can get you a job bartending down here. Um, you know, until you get on your feet, until you, you can crash at my place. I literally was like maybe two months away from moving. Yeah. So what and, happened? Uh, I decided it wasn't a good idea. Um, and that, you know, like, and at that time, like, GN had started to, like, uh, um, offer me more stuff, like, more time. Mm-hmm. And, and and things were starting to roll, like, in terms of, like, you know, my, you know, like, my popularity at, at the station. Yeah. It started to build a little bit. And I'm like, I'm going to give this another chance. And I, and I gave it a year. I was going to say I'm going to give it a year. And, by, and after a year, I was, like, over this girl, which was one of the reasons why I wanted to go. I was <laughs> yeah. Really? Because, yeah. you know, you, when you, after you have a horrible breakup, it's like, I'm going to change everything. You know what I mean? I'm going to cut, you know. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you something right now, and I'm not kidding. I I would have probably died. Like, and I'm not I'm not joking, actually. I would have been like, I mean, in, I, I, yeah. I, I would have been in really bad shape. I'm an alcoholic. And and the, that guy, my buddy, alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have been pretty. That's all I'm saying. It was a good, it was a good thing that I did not move to New Orleans because I don't know if I'd be alive and I'm not joking. I don't know if I'd be alive. I might be next to Nicolas Cage at this point. Uh, right. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that's how much I love the place. I was like, fuck, I'm going to move down there, but I can't even now, you know, as someone who's sober, I can't imagine living there. I can't. Um, it, it would just be crazy. Anyway, well, I'm glad that you had a great time. Colin had a great time too. 
yeah, we all had a good time uh, hanging out. Cool. It was good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about dumb people, but there's always uh, time for that because that's not going to go right. away. That's not going to go yeah, anywhere. Yeah, there's never a, a shortage <laughs> of dumb people. That's right. All right. Well, listen, uh, Esmeralda, uh, thank you. Welcome back from New Orleans. Very fun uh, to talk thank about you. that. And that's uh, Esmeralda Leon. I want to thank uh, Eric and Steve for all the movie reviews and movie talk stuff. Dan Feinberg will be back with us on the next episode to catch up on some TV nice. talk. Um, and uh, and the strike is over, Esmeralda. How about that? The, I heard, yeah. I'm so happy for the actors. I hope they got everything that they wanted, and I'm glad that uh, Hollywood's going to be back up and running. That's really cool. So we'll talk about that with Dan as well in the next episode. And you, nice. be a sponsor. Advertise on the Nick D Podcast. You'll reach a lot of people. Let us know you want to do that. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Leave your voicemails uh, with us 24-7 anytime you want. 773-417-6948. Email us anytime you want, uh, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you check out my uh, SNL podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years. New episodes every Wednesday. Check out our streaming service, which is 24-7. It's free. It's like the radio, only much cooler. That's radiomisfits.live. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds. Thank you to Jason. Ed Sillow is my main man uh, who uh, runs everything at uh, Radio Misfits. Take the time to share, rate, and review us on every platform and all that cool stuff. And we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.